0: morning. I have the privilege of reading from Amos 5 verses 10 through 17 this morning. There are people among you who hate anyone who stands for justice in court. They hate those who tell the truth. You make poor people pay tax on their straw. You also tax their grain. So even though you have built stone houses, you won't live in them. You have planted fruitful vineyards, but you won't drink the wine they produce. I know how many crimes you have committed. You have sinned far too much. Among you are people who crush those who have done no wrong. They accept money from people who want special favors. They take away the rights of poor people in the courts. So those of us who are wise keep quiet in times like these. That's because the times are evil. Look to what is good, not to what is evil. Then you will live. And the Lord God who rules over all will be with you. Hate evil and love good. Do what is fair in the courts. Perhaps the Lord God who rules over all will have mercy on you. After all, you are the only ones left in the family line of Joseph. The Lord God rules over all. The Lord says, people will weep in all the streets. They will be very sad in every marketplace. Even farmers will be told to cry loudly. People will mourn for the dead. Workers will cry in all the vineyards. For I will pass through your midst, says the Lord.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. That might have been a, a load of scripture to hold on to there, but we'll be, we'll be getting more into that. Uh, if I have not had the privilege of meeting you yet, my name is Derek, and I'm the student's director here. And Pastor Rob, or he asked me a while back to speak today, so naturally I asked him, so what's the topic? He said, oh, we're talking about uh, Old Testament prophets. And I said, awesome, I'll take Jonah. And he said, ooh, Jonah's taken. I said, OK, what about Micah? Uh, uh uh-uh, uh-uh. Haggai? Malachi? Nope. All taken. No! So who's left? Amos. Amos? That guy? Uh, Actually, I wonder how many people know about Amos. Ooh, actually, this should be fun. (laughs) So we had a good conversation a while back, and uh, leading up to this moment, I've gotten to dive into the Word, and I get to share that with you today. And again, this is a privilege to be with you, so thank you for being here today. And in fact, on this series, this is actually the last Sunday for our Messages from the Mediterranean series, where we're actually looking at these Old Testament prophets. So if you've been with us for the last couple of months, you have heard from other speakers about other the Old Testament prophets, and Amos is another prophet, and he is our focus for today. Now, when we think of prophets, we don't just think of them as these kind of uh, future tellers. Rather, we, we see the prophets as this group of people with a common task of hearing what God was saying and declaring God's word to the people around them. And each of the prophets, they did so. They did so in their own time, in their own place, and in their own way. And from our learning of these prophets, again, through these few months, we see there's an importance of actively responding to God and just how common it was for people to miss God's messages. So the book of Amos and the, the grand story of Israel's history is actually, it's at the start of the nation's downfall, if we're looking at it historically. So remember, just track with me. We're in Old Testament time, so this is everything really before Jesus. And our Bible story is focused on this people group, this nation group that is known as Israel. And then Amos, he's our character for today. He's one of those first prophets that come. And he was in the period of this divided kingdom. So there's in the north, we have Israel, this northern kingdom, and in the south, there's Judah, the southern kingdom. Uh, The nation divided amongst itself. uh, And then from there, it only started to get worse. And then there were bad kings, and the bad kings led the people away from God, and ultimately they led to their own destruction. So this really is just the start of a really bad time for Israel. And in just a moment here, we're going we're gonna to watch a video about Amos that just tells you a little bit more about what's going on at the time and really a preview of what Amos then takes as a message from God and then speaks to Israel. So let's watch together.
2: The book of the prophet Amos. Amos was a shepherd and a fig tree farmer who lived right near the border between northern Israel and southern Judah. Now the north had seized its independence about 150 years earlier, remember 1 Kings chapter 12, and it was currently being ruled by Jeroboam II, a successful military leader. He won lots of battles and new territory for Israel, and he generated lots of wealth. But in the eyes of the prophets, he was one of the worst kings ever. His wealth had led to apathy, and he allowed idol worship for the gods of Canaan, which in turn led to injustice and the neglect of the poor. And it got to the point where Amos couldn't take it anymore. He sensed God calling him to go trek up north to Bethel, an important city that had a large temple, and start announcing God's word to the people. And this book is a collection of his sermons and poems and visions uttered over the years. They were compiled later to give God's people a sense of his divine message to the northern kingdom and it's a message we still need to hear today. The book has a fairly clear design. Chapters 1 and 2 are a series of messages to the nations and Israel. Then chapters 3 to 6 are a collection of poems that express Amos's message to the people of Israel and its leaders. Chapters 7 through 9 contain a series of visions that Amos experienced that depict God's coming judgment on Israel. Let's just dive in. So the book opens with a series of short poems that accuse all of Israel's neighbors of violence and injustice. And this is kind of odd because the book's opening line said that Amos was going to speak against Israel. But watch how this works. As Amos is naming all of these neighboring nations, you can go look at a map and see that he's creating a circle. And when he's done, Israel lies right in the center, like a target in the crosshairs. And on Israel, Amos unleashes a poetic accusation that's three times longer and more intense than any of these others. He accuses Israel's wealthy of ignoring the poor and allowing grave injustice in their land, specifically by allowing the poor to be sold into debt slavery and then going on to deny any of these people legal representation. And this, Amos asks, is this the family that was once denied justice and enslaved in Egypt? The family that God rescued from oppression and slavery? The party's over, Amos says. God is done putting up with you. And so the opening of the next section explains why. God says, I chose you, Israel, from among all the families of the earth. This is an allusion to Genesis 12, how God had called the family of Abraham to become God's blessing to all of the nations. And so then God says, so this is why I will punish you for all of your sin. Israel had a great calling which came with great responsibility and so their sin and rebellion brings great consequences now this section brings together a lot of Amos's poems and you'll see a few key themes repeated over and over So first, he's constantly exposing the religious hypocrisy of Israel's wealthy and their leaders. And he describes how they faithfully attend the religious gatherings, giving offerings and sacrifices, all the while neglecting the poor and ignoring injustice. And Amos says it's all a sham, that God actually hates their worship because it's totally disconnected from how they treat people. God says a real relationship with him will transform a person's relationships. And so Amos's call to true worship is to let justice flow like a river and righteousness like a never-failing stream. Now, these—the book of the prophet Amos. Amos was a shepherd. Let's watch it again. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not.
1: <laughs> but as you saw, so Amos. So he starts his book with condemning nations that are around Israel. Those who are not God's chosen people are li- living according to God's ways. And then he turns his attention to Israel. He puts them in those crosshairs. Now imagine just for a moment that you are Israel. When you hear others being condemned, it starts to feel like, well, your, your place is kind of on top of them, right? Like you're better than them. You're feeling pretty good about yourself if you hear that everyone else is bad. God is coming down hard on all those other nations. But then Amos, he actually names Israel too. And he says that they aren't living according to God's ways. Ouch. That's got to hurt. And as you saw, there were, there were a number of problems that God saw with his own people. And in Amos' story, though, will center around the wealthy ignoring the poor, selling the poor into debt slavery, and denying the poor legal representation. Basically, there was injustice The message Amos brought to Israel was in response to these things and he he talks about a coming disaster for Israel that will be God's judgment, but only if they continue this lifestyle of rejecting God. And to understand what kind of judgment Amos is describing, that's, that's why we read our scripture for today and what was read earlier for us by Barb. So, Again, these are the words of Amos. There are people among you who hate anyone who stands for injustice in the court. They hate those who tell the truth. You make poor people pay tax on their straw. You also tax their grain. So even though you have built stone houses, you won't live in them. You have planted fruitful vineyards, but you won't drink the wine they produce. I know how many of the crimes you have committed. You have sinned far too much. Among you are people who crush those who who have done no wrong. They accept money from people who want special favors. They take away the rights of the poor. In the courts, so those who are wise keep quiet in times like these, and that's because the times are evil. Look to what is good, not to what is evil, and then you will live. And the Lord who rules over all will be with you, just as he says he is. Hate evil and love good. Do what is fair in the courts. Perhaps the Lord God will rule over all. The the Lord God who rules over all will have mercy on you. After all, you are the only ones left in the family line of Joseph. The Lord God rules over all. The Lord says, people will weep in all the streets. They will be very sad in every marketplace. Even farmers will be told to cry loudly. People will mourn for the dead. Workers will cry in all the vineyards. And that's because I will punish you, says the Lord. Every, with me, everyone, just take a deep breath. <laughs> this is not a happy story. And in fact, it's pretty harsh. It's hard to read. It's hard to listen to. But understanding why this is being said, that's why we are trying to make an understanding of what is the story of Israel. You see, Israel was built on this promise, God's promise to this man named Abraham. They enjoyed, Israel enjoyed a special relationship with God. They were closer to him than any other people. But that relationship meant they had some kind of responsibilities. Israel was expected to be people of faith and to order their lives around the the law that God had given them. But right from the beginning, they proved to be really, really bad on their end of the deal with living according to God's law. So God, therefore, he sent a series of prophets. That's where we're at now. He's sending a series of prophets to remind them of what is it that God has done for these people. And how is it that they are to respond? Because this is something they forgot. They really need a reminder, and the prophets are bringing that message to them. So Amos, he's our figure. He's speaking to the nation at this time of great success. They were wealthy, and they weren't in any kind of war with any other nations, so they were kind of, there was a sense of peace. And they had a, the blessing of wealth, but what, where they failed was in their responsibility of how they used that wealth. And if we think about the Bible especially our Old Testament portion, uh, if we think about it as a, a story of redemption, just the entire Old Testament as a story of redemption, then Amos is actually setting the stage for a new act to come in our story where Israel as a nation must end, but God's redemption of this people and of all people is to still come. So from Amos, we have to ask the question, how do we respond to injustice, especially when we are the ones with prosperity? It's not that Israel couldn't behave this way. It's that they wouldn't. Do you ever find yourself with the means of looking out for someone else, but instead you focus on yourself? I know I struggle with that. And I pray and I ask God to help me see others with his eyes. I once told, I think I was told by a kid that it's like goggles you wear. Just imagine goggles. We call them God goggles. because, Well, alliteration, it's great. But you have these kind of God goggles on, and you just want to see others through God's eyes and just let that transform you. But well, we can ask that. I ask that, and you can ask that, to see, others with his, to see others with his eyes, to respond to others in unselfish ways, and to let joy thrive with what you can give to others versus what you can hold on to yourself. So maybe you, like me, like Israel, find yourself needing to do a kind of heart check. A heart check. Meaning, where is your heart now? And where do you hear God calling it, if anywhere different, in any big area or any small area of your life? From the time that Amos actually spoke to the time that uh, later on in history, Assyria, another nation, they would come and they would conquer Israel. Um, From that time, 30 to 40 years passed. Think about that. 30 to 40 years to actually hear what Amos had said, to listen by returning their lives to God, and to change who they had become to again be God's people again. 30 to 40 years They had all this time to get that right. And that is a long period of time. So what if? What if Israel listened to these words and chose to respond to God? How would things maybe have looked different for them? God is, in a similar way, he's gracious enough to give us an abundance of time to respond to him. And it would be a shame if we too ignored God for, well, 30 or 40 years. Instead, what if we thought about this right now as the time and the opportunity to respond to God? Maybe you already feel a push to return to God because of what's going on in your life. And maybe that's just because you're facing a kind of life storm. Maybe that storm is in your family or in your relationships. Or it's in this new uh, school calendar year that is starting for us. Something is going on around you that you don't have full control over or something else still. And maybe you just feel something or someone pushing you to respond to God, but you're unsure of what that first step is then going to lead you into. And that's where you get really curious. It's like you feel the push coming, but you don't know what is going to happen next. And the scripture, again, it doesn't share too much light or too much happiness, sorry to say but it is a focus on just how much God cares about justice in the world. And it's a focus on Israel's heart as a nation and from what we can take from that, our hearts as well. It takes until the second half of the last chapter of the book of Amos to see any glimpse of light in the midst of this current harsh picture. Sometime this week, go ahead and uh, try to read Amos. Um, I say try because you might find it to be hard to read, not because the, the language itself is difficult to understand, not saying that at all, um, but because the picture that the words paint is a tough picture to imagine. And that's why it's very hard to read the book of Amos. But again, it takes until the, the second half of the last chapter of the book to see any glimpse of hope come. And this is what God says. Says, I am the Lord and King. My eyes are watching the sinful kingdom of Israel. I will wipe it off from the face of the earth. But I will not totally destroy the people of Jacob, announces the Lord. I will give an order. I will shake the people of Israel among all the nations. They will be like grain that is shaken through a screen. Not a pebble will fall to the ground. All the sinners among my people will be killed by swords. They say, Nothing bad will ever happen to us. The time will come when I will set up David's fallen shelter. I will repair its broken walls. I will rebuild what was destroyed. I will make it what it used to be. Then my people will take control of those who are left alive in Edom. They will also possess all the nations that belong to me, announces the Lord. He will do all these things. The days are coming. At that time, those who plow the land will catch up with those who harvest the crops. Those who stomp on grapes will catch up with those who plant the vines. "'Fresh wine will drip from the mountains. "'It will flow from all the hills. "'I will bring my people Israel back home. "'I will bless them with great success again. "'They will rebuild the destroyed cities and live in them. "'They will plant the vineyards and drink the wine they produce. "'They will make gardens and eat their fruit. "'I will plant Israel in their own land. "'They will never again be removed from the land I have given them,' "'says the Lord.'" If we don't look at this ending of Amos, then then we're really just focusing on the judgment portion. And the last time I checked, this isn't Judgment Covenant Church, (laughs) JCC for short, (laughs) Judgment Covenant Church. That's that's not this place. What's the name? Help me out. Thank you. Thank you. ah, That's right. This is restoration, right? This isn't Judgment Covenant Church. (laughs) This is restoration, and at restoration, we often talk about uh, what we are being restored to, who we are being restored to, and not always what we are being restored from. And Amos makes it clear what injustices are happening, those that Israel as a nation, again, is needing to be restored from. Imagine a coin. Let's all agree that coins have two sides, heads and tails. And then both sides exist together. But it can be hard to just look at one side and not the other of the coin. So why do we speak about restoration, encouragement, and hope? Because on the other side of the coin, there is brokenness and separation from God. And why do we struggle with God's words of judgment if we're being honest? Because on the other side of that coin, we know that God is just. He wants his people to follow his ways. And so God can restore people when they do fall, not if they fall, when. There are two sides to a coin, and that's why we see both judgment and we see restoration. Amos as a whole is really often a forgotten book. So if you've come here today and you're like, I've never heard of this guy, Amos. What's this guy talking about? That's okay. It really is because it's often a forgotten book. This is because people want to hear messages of hope and comfort, and there's little of that to be found in the book of Amos. It is, it's like the week of Easter, where the days leading up to Easter, those few days we have to sit in the remembrance of Jesus' crucifixion on the cross, and we know Easter is coming, we know that day is coming, and we look forward to it, but until we get there, we are uncomfortable in that struggling part focusing on what it took to get there. And Amos, it's a struggling time for Israel, but it's part of a bigger story that involves God's people returning their hearts to them. And that's a bigger story, the better ending. So here at Restoration, we don't think of brokenness as us, any of us really, being bad people, but maybe just that our hearts aren't in the right place that God wants them to be. And for each of us, really and truly, that is a journey. That is a journey walking with God. Just as God wanted Israel to be made new, and he did make them new, he is making us new as well. And that's a hope to hold on to. But as all the prophets say, all the prophets, not just Amos, only if we look to God. Only if we look to God. You know, there's another story you may have heard of and it involves a lot a lot of chocolate some of you chocolate lovers out there just opened up your eyes like chocolate i love chocolate i just got to say there's a story about chocolate there's a there's an 11-year-old boy and his name is Charlie Bucket and he he lives in poverty in a tiny house with his parents and four grandparents his grandparents share the only bed in the house, located in the only bedroom. Charlie and his parents sleep on a mattress on the floor. And one day, Grandpa Joe tells him about the legendary and eccentric chocolatier Willy Wonka and all the wonderful candies he's made until the other candy maker sent in spies to steal his recipes, which led him to close the factory forever. But the next day, the newspaper announced that Wonka was reopening the factory and he had invited five, five children to come on, on tour after they find a golden ticket in a Wonka bar. And each ticket each ticket that is found is a media sensation, and each finder becomes a celebrity. Now, the first four golden tickets, they're found by the gluttonous Augustus Gloop, the spoiled and petulant Veruca Salt, the gum-addicted Violent Beauregard, and the TV-obsessed Mike TV. His name is actually TV. It's great. Now, one day, Charlie, he sees, he sees a small coin buried in the snow. And he takes it, and he buys himself a Wonka bar, and he finds that fifth golden ticket. And the ticket says he can bring any family member with him to the factory, and Charlie's parents decide to allow Grandpa Joe to go with him. Now, after meeting Willie Wonka, the kids and their parents go inside while they get to meet the Oompa Loompas. A race of small people who operate the factory. Is everybody thinking of the Oompa Loompa song right now? Oompa Loompa, Oompa. Okay, Oompa Loompa Sunday, Matthew. Anyway, throughout the story, the other kids are ejected from the factory in silly and mysterious ways that are related to the the nature of their own greediness. And Augustus gets sucked up the pipe after falling into the chocolate river in the chocolate room. Violet, she gets. Blown up into a giant blueberry after sampling an experimental three-course chewing gum meal in the inventing room. Veruca is thrown down the chute in the nut room after the nut-testing squirrels consider her a bad nut. And Mike gets shrunk after he tries to be the first person to be sent by television and the television room's television chocolate technology. With only Charlie remaining... Wonka congratulates him for winning, uh, winning the factory. And after explaining his true reason behind those golden tickets, he names Charlie his successor. And they ride this uh, device called the Great Glass Elevator at Charlie's house, where, uh, while the other four children, they just go home. Um, Afterwards, Wonka, he invites Charlie's family to come live with him in the factory, and they do. This story story is a classic. I read the book, I love the book, I love the movie, I love the remake. And what we see happen with the, the first four children is that they, they take that golden ticket opportunity that was given to them, and they let their own selfishness get in the way of being at the factory as Willy Wonka intended. Israel is a similar case. They, they have that privilege of being God's people, and with that opportunity given to them, they let their own fixation of wealth get in the way of justice for all of God's people. Still, we want a happy ending. It's how we are wired as people. We, we don't want stories to end on a bad note. It's not a good story otherwise. In Willy Wonka, we see that the joy comes to Charlie and his family for having the kind of character that Willy Wonka was looking for. And in Amos, in our story of Israel, what we are told is that while judgment will happen, God's faithfulness will continue even through what happens next. For us, well, our ending isn't quite known yet. We're in the middle of our own stories. But time to time... As we live day to day, we can let God's presence and God's word speak to us. It can speak to us. It can fill us with the hope and the encouragement that we need. And it can also be that reality check for us to hear a voice of truth when we need to hear it. Not necessarily when we want to hear it, because again, let's admit, who wants to hear a voice of truth in a hard time? But when we need to hear it, God speaks that to us. And that's what changes our hearts. If there are only one thing that you would leave here today with, with uh, just a thought for, it's a sense of that we are to recognize and respond to God's voice. And again, throughout these last couple months, I hope that that's what you've been hearing with all these messages about the prophets is that we are, we're called to recognize and to respond to God's voice. The people of Israel, they did not want to hear what God had to say through Amos, but still God's word spoke that truth. So likewise, let's not, take, let's not take 30 or 40 years hearing the same word of God, however that's being spoken to us, hearing that word of God and not letting God's presence, God's word, God's truth shape us into who God is wanting us to be and how God is wanting us to live. Again, maybe that today is just a day you need to do a heart check. Do a heart check and see where you're at with God. You might find you're actually at a pretty good place, you're on a good trajectory, But otherwise, listen to God and see, what is he calling you to do? Where is he calling your heart? Shortly here, we'll be taking communion, which is another kind of story of redemption. There we reflect on the acts of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, and how he brought God's favor to more than just the people of Israel, but to all who turn to God's love. And I encourage you that as we, in just a moment, we'll take this time together, that you first think about two things. What are the things you need to lay at God's feet? And what do you need to allow God to do in your heart? That is a heartbeat, actually. (laughs) What do you need to allow God to do in your heart this day? So actually, take the next minute or two, think about those things. What are the things you need to lay at God's feet? And what do you need to allow God to do in your heart this day? Just take a couple minutes and let this just be a time between you and God.